Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James, and I want to say thank you for joining us for today's conversation. During Let's Talk Wellness, we focus on healing, understanding, growth, and spirituality. This is part of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a subsidiary of the nonprofit called Extraordinary Lives Foundation, where we're devoted to supporting mental health awareness and providing resources for children and their families. As the founder of these organizations, I have the great joy of collaborating with an amazing team of healers to help bring healing to children and their families around the world. You could find all of our information at elfempowers.org, and you could find the link in the show information. Now, let's talk wellness with today's guest, Dr. Layla Contractor. Dr. Layla is a medical physician who is trained in general and child psychiatry. Dr. Layla practices both traditional and integrative psychiatry, utilizing alternative treatments for healing, and she's an advisory board for the Extraordinary Lives Foundation. Welcome, Dr. Layla. Hi, thank you for having me, Mara. Oh, thank you. It's such an honor to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks so much. So would you mind beginning by telling us what guided you to um, go into psychiatry? Well, I think my interest has been there for quite some time. Honestly, um, we had um, a, lot, a lot of family members of mine suffered um, with various psychiatric issues, starting with my um, great grandmother after the loss, my grandmother, sorry, not my great grandmother, after the loss of her daughter, um, she really never recovered. We ended up, my family's from India, we ended up bringing her here for ECT. So growing up, in some ways, taking care of mental health and mental health issues was normalized. We also had quite a bit of anxiety in our family. Um, so I was introduced to it at a pretty young age. And then in high school, um, I started a peer-to-peer group for people with eating disorders, and that continued on to college. And then frankly, by the time I got to medical school, I felt like I was bored in every other rotation of mine, but psychiatry. So here I am in psychiatry. Wonderful, wonderful. And can you share with us, um, you used to work at Kaiser? Yeah, so I worked at Kaiser for 13 years. Uh, And during my time there, I helped them start their intensive outpatient program for at-risk teens. Since we're coming out of the hospital or who are at risk to be hospitalized. And I helped them start up their trauma treatment program. Um, But after some time, I think it really got quite difficult for me to stay there. Um, I think they do a lot of great work. Um, It allowed me to work with communities that I really wanted to be um, a part of and help. Uh, But I really didn't feel I got the adequate support, uh, social work-wise or even therapy-wise, which is what really kids need. I really see medication as a last 
really a last resort after you've exhausted all other possibilities. So this last June, I decided to leave and start my own private practice. Wow. And so now you're, how would you consider um, the practice that you're doing now versus what you used to do? Well, the practice that I'm doing now, I get to spend a lot more time with my patients, especially in the beginning, get to take very detailed histories from the parents. I got get to spend a lot of time with their outside providers. And in spending that time, I can really make a treatment plan um, that utilizes multiple different modalities, really, um, not just medication and therapy, psychotherapy, traditional therapy. And so for me, that's been really rewarding because we can try different types of therapies before coming to the conclusion that, yeah, maybe we do need to try medication. Right. And is it harder? Um, I know for my children, when they were younger, it was hard. They didn't mm -hmm. want to speak to a therapist. So I did some, you know, I had them meet like with a Reiki practitioner, some more intuitive healers. Um, do you find that it's harder for children and teens to do uh, traditional talk therapy? It can be. I, I usually don't run into that issue, but I think it definitely can be. And for those um, kids who have a harder time, and especially with people who've been affected by various types of trauma, definitely body work or other types of treatment are definitely indicated. And even somebody like Bessel van der Kolk, who's, you know, considered the grandfather of trauma would tell you that he sends people to do body work or other types of treatment in order to prepare them for talk therapy. Um, and frankly, especially when we're dealing with things like trauma are very highly charged, emotionally charged things. Um, you know, it's really, they're all stored in our non-dominant side of the brain, the non-talking part of the brain. So really using talk therapy to treat that is really counterintuitive. So yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. If kids aren't willing to talk or adolescents or even parents really, then we try other modalities to send. And I use the information from those practitioners to see what is it that the kid's struggling with? What is it on an energetic level that they're going through? And when you say body work, what, what's incorporated in that? So it can be very different types of techniques. It could be um, acupuncture. Bessel van der Kolk talks about even using massage work, getting somebody used to touching you and feeling the, you know, the energy on your body. Um, there are many different types of practitioners that could be used. Some of them that, again, you, even somebody who does Reiki, again, who can really see the field, what you're being affected, how it's affecting you. You can use those type of practitioners. Um, while we don't necessarily have the evidence base per se, I will tell you that clinically, like with anything, if a patient isn't ready to talk, then there's no point trying to make them talk. And you can actually do a lot more harm or damage by pushing them to a place where they're not ready to be. Right. So using these other modalities that can be very healing, calming, which then helps them talk about what they need to. And really the talking is for us, right? If the person is feeling better going to these other modalities, I don't need them to talk. But in talking, sometimes I can get a better diagnosis, which then helps me lead to a very customized, tailored approach to treatment. That's why we want people to talk. Right. And I've heard that a lot of people, um, 
people talk about emotions being held like within our bodies. What's your belief on that? I believe that's, um, you know, a hundred percent true. And again, I know I keep quoting him, but Bessel van der Kolk's, you know, the whole book is called when the body keeps score. And we absolutely, we have nerves all over our body. For those of you who are familiar with, you know, the most common type of antidepressant, which are called serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSR, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, <laughs> um, SSRIs, you know, they work on serotonin. We make way more serotonin in our gut than we do even our brain. And we have more nerves in our gut than our brain. So we absolutely store um, trauma, memories, emotions in various places in our body. And in fact, even when I was in training at uh, University of Pittsburgh, um, we had a researcher, a psychiatrist researcher, and she had gotten a grant from the National Institute of Mental Health to study children with what we would call functional abdominal pain. So they would have pretty significant, you know, complete medical workup and yet you could not find why these poor kids were in so much pain. In her particular study, they used hypnotherapy and pretty much in all cases, all of those kids had some sort of trauma. And again, they were storing it in their abdominal area. And that's why they were having all this pain. And that's why you can't see it in MRI, CT scan or in lab work. And they got better. So again, this is even now the National Institute of Mental Health looking at other modalities to help release emotions from the body so people can heal and move forward. That's amazing. And with the hypnotherapy, were they doing it? How young were the children? Were they teens or younger? You know, to be fair, I'd have to look back at the study. Um, Eva Sigethy was the one who was doing it. I'd have to go back and look at that. But they were some of them, I believe, were pretty young. Right. Doing it. Right. And I find sometimes um, with my clients that there is such a traumatic um, incident that they might not even remember. And in order for them to even go there, they would either need medication or type uh, some type of energy work or something to help them. So, you know, EMDR, so they don't short circuit kind of their body. Do you yeah. expect, what, what are your thoughts about that? You know, again, I, I completely agree. And again, this is like pacing yourself to go at the what's comfortable for the client. I think sometimes we do need to help them move further along in their treatment, but really at a pace that only they know is comfortable for them. So even if you look at what we call functional MRIs, we're looking at MRIs that really look at um how the brain actually functions, how is it taking in certain metabolites? When you look at even functional MRIs that people have experienced trauma, really, again, the Broca's area, which is our talking area, is absolutely understimulated or even completely shut down for people who have experienced trauma, really highly ch emotionally charged experiences. So again, make people talk when functionally they can't, Again, we really want them to talk for us, but if we can find a workaround, or as you're saying too, sometimes even medication, that's the benefit of medication sometimes, is to calm down um, what we call the amygdala, one of the oldest parts of our brain. It's our the part of our brain that even we call the reptilian brain, because even reptiles have it, where it's fight or flight. 
And mm-hmm. when somebody has a very emotionally charged experience or has been traumatized, that is on fire. And when it is on fire, it completely shuts down the prefrontal lobe, frontal lobe. Again, our area where we organize, um, you know, organize ourselves, um, motivate ourselves to do things, concentrate, um, which then helps with memory consolidation. That's really shut down. So again, if we can't get that area to calm down using either alternate modalities or medication, then we can't help the client move forward or receive the treatment. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think there is, I don't want to totally poo-poo medication. I think there's definitely a place for it. And if somebody is just so activated that they're not functioning in their life, that's not the time to start trauma treatment. We need to get them to feel more secured and safe, really safe. So then they can explore these scary things. Do you think, um, just listening to you speak, I had an idea, um, a thought. Do you think that trauma can cause ADHD and they're not quote unquote born with it? So I think the answer is a little bit complex. I certainly see, um, you know, I certainly see clients who have, you know, pretty strong family histories of ADHD, you know, dad has it, grandma had it, and it goes back way back when. So I, I definitely think there's a familial um, component. I, I think that um, if we look at epigenetics, which is the idea that um, we pass on certain genes to our offspring, not so much because it's an actual gene, like we think of like a breast cancer gene, but because certain experiences that the parents have had has actually switched on certain genes that then get passed on. Um, This would be what we've seen with the research of Holocaust survivors, where again, there's kind of a loaded example, but children of Holocaust survivors have much higher rates of PTSD despite never having lived through it. But Mm -hmm. this is an example, of course, you can always argue the environment, right? The environment they grew up in and the people, but still this can be passed, see this even being passed down in their offspring. And so we're talking about grandkids. So there's an, you know, there's a definitely a biological underpinning. There's an epigenetic. And I would have to say clinically, I feel like it's the rule, not the exception that my patients who've been exposed to trauma or suffered trauma themselves have ADHD. And I see it as, you know, one of the symptoms of trauma is what we call hypervigilant or kind of always being on high alert because your body doesn't feel safe. So would it really be beneficial for you to be focused in on one thing? No, you would kind of always need to be scanning your surroundings, seeing are you safe, what's around me. And so I actually think the ADHD serves a very functional purpose. And Dr. Gabor Mate goes into way more detailed in his book, Scattered about this. He is in the firm belief that ADHD is very much caused um, by trauma. And oftentimes things that we don't necessarily see as trauma. But that's what I was going to ask you, because, you know, this word trauma is kind of a traumatic word. It's scary, right? right. And feel like everybody experiences traumatic, everybody experiences traumatic experiences as children, but not what someone might think is, is traumatic, you know, is, you know, like physical or sexual abuse. But somebody had a client that when he was younger, he, at three years old, he dropped an egg and his grandmother said, he's no good. And that was traumatic to him, but it's not such a trauma. 
Right. So you're right. I think that, you know, the word trauma is used um, quite a bit. And again, I think a lot of this also has to do with temperament. You can get an exquisitely, you know, sensitive um, kid who is, um, you know, really a a great kid, but is very attuned into other people's feelings and their energies. And you can get them raised by a parent who is not, you know, their body doesn't function like that. And they may have take a much harder line or not even understand the kid. And oftentimes even that misattunement, despite the best intentions of the parents can really feel not safe to that kid who just is trying to make sense of his world. Um, I think neglect is another one. And Dr. Gabor Mate often says, he's like, you don't know what you never had. And so what I see in a lot of my clients, you know, is a story of the perfect childhood. I had the perfect childhood. I had lovely parents. They were so caring. I had not a want in the world. But when you dig deeper, you realize, again, as well-intentioned as their parents may have been, and oftentimes these poor parents are in survival mode themselves. They didn't necessarily meet the needs of the kid and, you know, are now the young adult or the adult. And the other thing is you have to look at, is this person suffering? Is the person suffering? Are they able to function in a way that they, you know, function to their best of their ability or capacity? And oftentimes the answer is no. We need to look at why that is to help them get a better understanding of it and then help them move forward. That's wonderful. And when you were talking about those children, is that what you would call an empath where they're like feeling the energies and emotions of others? Yeah, I think a lot of these kids are highly empathic um, and oftentimes their parents were empaths but never were guided. Yeah. Um, and an empath really is somebody who can really kind of feel the energy in the room. They can look around, sense, gauge their audience, but they really, they don't just like see it. They really feel it and internalize it. And a lot of times what these kids need to know is, okay, it's fine that you really picked up. These people are highly gifted and often very intuitive, but we have to help these kids learn. So, okay, how do you dump that? Now that, now that you realize that grandma is really struggling and is angry and X, Y, and Z, how do we help your body get rid of that? Often these kids are overloaded with emotions and they look like these kids are just falling apart or, um, you know, kind of can't keep it together, but it's because they need to learn kind of a different type of skill set um, than, than a kid who won't necessarily pick up on those things. Right. Yeah. It's amazing when these little kids are have, like feeling all these big emotions and they're not even theirs. Right. Right. And so really um, helping these kids and guiding them along that can be um, challenging. I think this is just in some ways, it's kind of a newer concept that's come around, but it's it's been there, but a newer concept as far as recognizing it, that you just have some kids that are really sensitive and it makes them almost more susceptible to mental health issues. Sure. Um, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, I'd love to talk with you more about different types of healing modalities that you've experienced and some of your favorite client stories. So hold on, everybody. We'll be right back. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, 
is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm Mara James, your host, and today our guest is Dr. Leila Contractor, a medical physician who's trained in general and child psychiatry. And Dr. Leila practices both traditional and integrative psychiatry, utilizing alternative treatments for healing. And we're honored to have her on Extraordinary Lives Foundation Advisory Board. Welcome back, Dr. Leila. Hi, thank you. So since we've met, I know, um, you know, we spoke about the Hugs Healers um, and I know that you had some you know, personal experiences with them and without getting too specific, is there anything you'd like to share about um, different types of healing modalities that you either experienced yourself or you referred to? Yeah, so about four years ago, I started um, in hindsight <laughs> having um, some medical issues that seemed to start around perimenopause. Um, ultimately, I went on in 2019, I went on medical leave um, with some very bizarre symptoms that almost looked like, a well, not almost, it looked like a combination of myasthenia gravis and MS, multiple sclerosis combined. Um, I went to various clinics, some of, the, some of the best ones in the country. And while they could see I had some neurological issues, Everyone was at a loss at what was causing them. Um, so I uh, begrudgingly, uh, <laughs> I posted something on something called Physician Mommy Group. And I, I posted my whole case, all my labs, everything on there. I was like, help. And I followed every lead that somebody sent on the side, privately messing, messaging me were integrative medicine doctors. And they're like, look, your case is pretty classic. This is what we treat. This is what we see. And I thought it was really sweet. And there was one in particular, and I wish I could remember her name or thank her. And she kept checking up on me. And at one point she's like, you're only getting worse. At that point I was in bed all the time. Um, I was really concerned who's going to take care of my three little kids. Uh, she's like, you need to try something, do something. There's no harm from these type of treatments. So I begrudgingly um, saw Dr. Kelly McCann and she had prescribed um you know, this supplement. Um, and again, I begrudgingly took it and I actually started getting better. Um, 
so I was uh, extremely skeptical, but it started working. And I think that was very eye-opening to me that there's a whole realm of medica- medicine that I actually know nothing about. Um, and from that point, I did kind of one treatment at a time with her and she was always spot on. She was actually always spot on. Um, and each treatment got me better and better. I mean, to the point where I work out every day. Now I go to the gym for an hour or two every day. I do yoga. So, I mean, she significantly made a difference in my life, but along this path, uh, not only did I use supplements, um, to help me get back to health, but I certainly used, um, various modalities. I used acupuncture. Um, I used various types of therapy. I also, um, you know, once I realized that there may be an autoimmune component, I was like, Oh, I've seen this. I see this in my patients. All my trauma patients seem to have autoimmune component. So I started, um, EMDR, which is a type of trauma treatment. And, um, that led me to, um, actually wanting to do a program in integrative psychiatry. So I did a year long fellowship through the University of Colorado School of Medicine in integrative psychiatry, which really looks, doesn't throw away traditional psychiatry, but it looks at evidence-based supplements and treatments that can help, you know, treat medical problems like my own where traditional medicine really doesn't have a name for it or understand it. Um, and so that lead me, that led me to looking at other types of treatments. So for you, did you find that there were some underlining emotions that were causing your physical ailments? 100%. So here I am thinking, you know, I'm, I'm supposedly the trauma person at my clinic, right? I've worked out all my traumas, like this couldn't be me. <laughs> but as, as soon as I realized there might be an autoimmune component to me, I realized I had to look in the mirror and there was even more work for me to do. So I did EMDR for a number of months. And then once I was, I felt like I, I got what I could out of that. Um, I actually switched to a different modality called compassion inquiry, um, which is Dr. Gabor Mate's method. Um, that he uses can, that can really be used in conjunction with any type of psychotherapy. Um, and it's kind of, it's an eclectic mix of somatic experiencing, uh, polyvagal theory. Uh, so I, I found it, I'm sorry, internal family systems as well, all different types of trauma treatment. Um, and I found that um, very helpful, not just for myself, but also for my patients. Wow. Have you done any um, energy or healers that weren't quote unquote evidence-based, but the proof is in the pudding? Yeah. So I would say, well, and there's a lot of evidence for acupuncture, so I don't need to, um, but I've definitely done acupuncture. I myself have been trained um, with Reiki. I don't necessarily do that with patients, but I went to Reiki practitioners. I've gone to various energy healers, um, shaman, uh, there's an amazing one that I'm currently seeing named Lexi James. She's phenomenal. Oh, is that my daughter? I know her. <laughs> that is your daughter. <laughs> um, but I think um, this work comes with a lot of humility and having an open mind that there are a lot of treatments that I don't think you can really 
study in the way that we study other things. There's so many variables to it. Uh, so I, I definitely have tried and I, I try, um, really, I try anything before I recommend it to my own patients. I think that's only fair before I can really say, oh, this will help. And this actually included even, um, you know, my own children went through occupational therapy. They went through vision therapy. I went through vision therapy. And through this quest, I found out that um, I'm dyslexic on top of everything else. I just thought I was an extremely slow reader, but yeah, so part of my even looking, formulating treatment plans, again, is looking at really every field, every area that could, what, what can we do for kids and adults, by the way, that can help shore them up and look at this at every angle. And then, yeah, I mean, we can also use supplements and medication if it's still indicated. Right. That's wonderful. You know, our intake coordinators um, is also medical intuitive. And I had her speaking to a friend of mine and she was telling him all the stuff about his daughter. And he was like, how do you know this stuff? And he was blown away. He's like, we've been taking her to get testing this and that. And she's like, your daughter's dyslexic. She needs eye therapy. She has a lot of anger and it was so right on. And it's so amazing. You know, obviously this is why we have the foundation. The sooner we could help children and their families, the better, you know, before things spiral out of control. Um, and it is great. I, I'm the same as you. Like I will not refer somebody unless I, you know, use them by my, myself or my family. And um, so that's beautiful. Um, are there any success stories that you'd like to share using your integrative psychiatry without saying any names? And of course, without yeah, breaking. Of course not. Although you reminded me, I use, in, <laughs> I use medical intuitives. I actually regularly see an intuitive and I really would have to say through this journey, especially there's so many times where you feel like you're just kind of on an edge of a cliff. Um, but she also does energy work, but it's certainly has helped me move, move forward through this journey. So yes, I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. For me, I have one of my healers, um, you know, whether she's a psychic medium, very intuitive and she helped me like, they're not, they don't tell you about the future. They just give you guidance. But one of the things they gave me some information about my kids in the future. And it was like, I could finally breathe. I could finally relax knowing that one of my children was not going to take his own life. And I was told to stop worrying about it. Cause when you worry about it, you might got, you know, like create something. So it was just, you know, just beyond, um, definitely. So grateful for all of our healers. <laughs> yeah, no, I would I would have to agree with you, right? I think there's a lot of drama, for lack of a better word, that we create in our own heads. And sometimes, not a lot of times, seeing people like this is a little bit of a reality check that, you know, the reality we create for ourselves is not actually, may not actually be what's out there for us. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. So were there any um, stories, success stories that you had using your integrative psychiatry with the client? Yeah. So a lot of my, um, I would have to say what's really um, gratifying to treat is actually ADHD and looking at the kind of various facets of it. Um, I find it gratifying because a lot of times in the, you know, evidence-based supplements we use are actually something called like a, a multi-ingredient formula, which really has a lot of vitamins and minerals in it. We're largely in the U.S. mineral deficient, vitamin and mineral deficient, even if you eat a hundred percent organic diet, it's just impossible because of how much, you know, our farms have been over farmed. And 
So a lot of times in using supplements like that, um, I use a lot less medication and sometimes not at all. I don't promise that. I let people know from the get-go, I'm not promising you, I'm not gonna recommend a medication, but if we try X, Y, and Z, and if we try some of these energy healers, you may not even need to be on medication, which for me would be a great success. Like you don't have to see me anymore. That would be great. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Work yourself out of a job. I love it. Right, um, exactly. Or um, I think the other, for me, the other things is a little bit less tangible, but once you build a relationship with people and sometimes that takes longer, understandably, is that once you uncover the trauma, a lot of the need for medication seems to fall to the wayside. Like they get the appropriate type of psychotherapies and even energy work. They, they don't need to be on medication. They can be on much less medication. You know, trauma in its various forms, and we, as we discussed too, it may not look like what we think is trauma, the overt like emotional abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse. It can be as simple as neglect or misattunement and multiple, again, it's not just like one incident that sends somebody over the edge. It's usually multiple um, kind of missing the marks with your kid or somebody missing the mark with the kid. I see it a lot in kids with learning issues, right? They're labeled as dumb, stupid, lazy, uh, disruptive. And that's traumatizing too for kids. Um, and that carries through adult, right? These are the messages that we carry through with us through um, adulthood. So for me, I lost my train of thought. Or finding an underlying learning issue. Okay, like yeah, this is not even a medication issue. This is, they have this learning issue. I think you need to see these group of people that are really going to help you. I love it. And for children is, um, I know with my son with Asperger's and ADHD, it was so hard to get him to eat anything. Are there supplements that are children friendly, like chewables, as opposed to like swallowing pills or something that tastes funny or has a funny consistency? Yeah, there, there definitely are. Um, not everything has a chewable, but there are liquids, there are chewables, there's even under the tongue that dissolves. So there are other treatments. And like I said, again, it's not even just the, um, the supplements. Um, I find myself often referring to occupational therapy because some people, especially very gifted and sensitive kids have what we would label as um, sensory processing disorder, but really they um, process the world in a much different way. And oftentimes the occupational therapy can be super helpful in helping them regulate their bodies. I love, it. and that's their superpower. <laughs> yes, it, it actually is. So really, I feel like a lot of what I do is helping parents and the kids harness the superpower to their strength and helping them utilize it in a way, and like I even said earlier, all the things that they don't need or aren't as useful once they process the information, how do we get, how do we help them get rid of that? How do we help the parent be a coach for the kid to help them get rid of that? I love that. Um, and do you do testing with children or do you refer them out to do like if there's like a need for psychological testing? So I work with a group um, center for learning and they have absolutely amazing uh, neuropsychologists. They have about 40 education therapists under them. They have speech pathologists, occupational therapists. So you really need somebody who's specialized 
in that testing. That's typically not something that psychiatrists do. Most, I mean, there's definitely rating scales and things that I use to help me get a proper diagnosis. But for the finer details, especially when it comes to learning issues or sensory processing, yes, they need to be referred to the appropriate um, professional. Beautiful. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. If our guests listening or watching want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? They can uh, visit my website at Dr. Layla, so D-R-L-A-I-L-A at Layla, L-A-I-L-A, contractor. That's really my last name. So LaylaContractorMD.com. So Dr. Layla at LaylaContractorMD.com. Okay, and we'll also put your information, uh, your contact information in the show, in the links in the show information. And are you on social media? Uh, Not so much yet. I'm working my way there. That's okay. And what about, do you have a website? I do have a website. And so my website is laylacontractormd.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much to you and to all of our listeners. I want to remind you that you are amazing. Thank you, Mara. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure's all ours. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.